Hi there, friends. Welcome to the Still Becoming Podcast, a place where women like you and me find help to move from where you are to where you want to be. I'm your host, Laura Acuna. The Still Becoming Podcast is where we gather to rethink our thinking about ourselves, our lives, and about our God. We will learn to reframe our shame and trade in limiting beliefs for the liberating truth from God's Word. And why the title Still Becoming? Because that's the Christian journey, isn't it? As we apply God's perfect Word to our lives for growth and change, we are always growing, always learning, and still becoming the women He created us to be. It's never perfect, and it's not too late. Do I need to say that again? It is never perfect, and it is not too late. I am so glad you're here for the journey, and I'm praying that God will speak directly to you through today's episode. Are you ready? Let's go. Well, welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Still Becoming Podcast. If you are returning, thank you. And if you're new, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Now, in Season 2, I've been having a conversation with you about navigating friendships in a cancel culture world. And in Episode 1, I talked about the importance of friendships, that they're not frivolous to God, that the body of Christ needs to find ways to get along together biblically and in a healthy way. We don't always do that well, do we? We really don't. We need some help. And then in episode two, I shared with you a real life story that happened to me with some friends where I was really hurt. And thankfully, I had been learning how to navigate friendships in a healthier way. I was growing up in Christ and I was applying his word to my life for growth and change. And I was able to not revert to old behaviors but try something new. And I was able to not only save the day because we were going somewhere together as friends, but I was also able to save the friendships. I'm sure had I reverted back to old behaviors that really weren't that healthy, I could have put some of those friendships in jeopardy. And so I know that matters to God. And I know that happens for you, that you get yourself in situations sometimes and you're hurt and you don't know what to do. So if you're finding yourself in that situation, go back and listen to episode two. But in episode three today, I'm going to talk about something a little more intense. And that is, what do you do when you really do need to confront someone? When you really need to have a candid and direct conversation with a sister, with a friend who is either hurting you on purpose, deliberately, or who is either dancing on the edge of sin or has dived right in. What do you do? I hope I can help with some tools that I've learned along the way. And so you've probably heard the term, hurting people hurt people. And it's true. I've done the hurting, and you've done the hurting, and people have hurt us. And there is a biblical way to confront people who hurt us. There is. And there's a time for boundaries. It's, it's kind of hard not to imagine that there wouldn't be a time for boundaries in our lives. And then there's even times when we have to sever ties with a friend. But that, the severing ties with a friend thing, that should not be the norm. That extreme choice should be saved for times when you are not safe with a person, when all avenues to biblically work it out have not worked. And there's no other alternative. 
But if it's what we do the moment we have conflict, we can do better. I have been, for most of my life, a chronic people pleaser. I've been a peacekeeper instead of a peacemaker. I've been tied up in my friendships when I was younger and had a really hard time having hard conversations with anyone, even a close friend. But again, as I've grown and matured in my faith, I've learned that 99% of conflict or misunderstandings can be taken care of quickly with a simple, help me understand. Help me understand is one of the most underutilized statements in our relationships. Help me understand why you said that to me that way. Help me understand why you decided to do that. Help me understand. And if you've been with me in season one and now in the beginning of season two here, you know that I talk a lot about a sela. Sela is a word that means to ponder, to pause. It's always a good thing to do before we snap back or before we get our dander up. So we want to pause when someone hurts us and ask for clarification. You can even use your humor. You can say, ouch, that hurt. You didn't mean to hurt me, did you? Do it in the moment, if at all possible. You may have to do it away from others, but check your heart. Are you clarifying or are you zapping back? If you can earnestly ask a clarifying question, you have a great chance of saving a friendship. Now, we need to ask God for wisdom to know when to clarify and when to confront. Two totally different things. What if the friend really has sinned against you? What if she has deliberately hurt you? What if your friend is dancing around on the edge of sin and you need to warn? And what if your friend has jumped headfirst into sin and you need to bring them back if you can? Matthew 18, 15 says this, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. Now here's a disclaimer. We're talking about friendships where there is trust between you. We're not talking about acquaintances. There has to be a relationship first before you go and speak to someone about their sin. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That is one beautiful passage. In verse one, the scripture says, restore such a person. And that word in the original Greek language, that word restore means to repair. It's actually a medical term used in resetting fractures or mending bones, putting dislocated limbs back in place. It is to restore them because they have so much value. And it's always done in a spirit of gentleness. It is never harsh. That's why we have to pause before we react. In her book, Becoming Heart Sisters, Natalie Chambers Snap describes the difference between being honest and being candid. And I want to tell you, when I read this book and I read this statement, it changed my thinking. And I'm hoping it may change yours too. When we're being honest, We're often sharing just for our own benefit. I mean, how many times have you heard someone flippantly claim, well, I'm just being honest, or just keeping it real, or I can't help it. I'm a truth teller. 
Now, Natalie says, well, good for them. Whatever they needed to get off their chest has now been taken off their chest. But even though we do need bold truth tellers in this world, that attribute can have a downside. Just being honest does not give anyone permission to say something hurtful to another person. It doesn't give them a pass. However, often what the honest person fails to do is think of the heart of the person who's receiving this gift of their truth-telling. Have you been on the receiving end of this kind of honesty? When delivered in this way, there's a lot of pride driving the honesty and someone gets hurt. But on the other hand, when we're candid, we speak difficult truths in complete love while protecting the dignity of our sister's heart. See the difference? A candid friend is discreet. Always, it should be based in compassion, tenderness, empathy, patience, and mercy. Because we understand our own sinfulness. Psalm 51.3 is always a good scripture to recite to ourselves before we confront or have hard conversations. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Well, friends, I'm so excited to tell you that my new book, Still Becoming, Hope, Help, and Healing for the Diet-Weary Soul, has just been released. You can find it on my website, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, ChristianBook.com, and other online retailers. Still Becoming is a 31-day devotional journal that takes you on a sacred journey where you'll discover true freedom and that healing and peace have nothing to do with the number on the scale. Join me and learn to rethink your struggles with disordered eating, body image, and dieting through the lens of self-compassion and God's grace. Once we have our hearts and our minds in the right place, we need to remember that confrontation needs to be done in a spirit of genuine humility, gentleness, with the purpose of bringing truth to bear upon the situation. The goal is restoration. And remember, it means to put something back in place. It's a beautiful picture, beautiful picture. So here's what speaking the truth in love isn't. It isn't, now I love you, but, or you know I love you, girl. That's not what it is. Love shows itself. It doesn't have to tell you. It bears one another's burdens. It's candid, discreet, protective. And kind. Now, of course, on occasion, we may need to be stronger in order to get a point across, but overall, we should be enduringly patient and devoid of pride. And girls, that takes a lot of prayer and a lot of sailors. <laughs> we never ride in on a high horse. That is dangerous ground. It's dangerous for the one being confronted, but it's even more dangerous for the one on the high horse because we've been warned in scripture that we can fall into the exact same sin that our friend's in. And we all know that pride comes before the fall. No one who deeply loves their friend enjoys confronting their sin. But as we do, we have to remember this principle. We confront our sister in her sin because we deeply love her, but we should never deeply love confronting. I went back to college when I was 50, and I remember One of my very first ministry classes, the professor told us, if you ever need to biblically confront, 
a brother or sister in Christ in ministry or in your friendships or anywhere, you really should have a sick stomach on the way over. If you are exhilarated by this, if you're happy and can't wait to get there and let them know what you want to let them know, you shouldn't go. And I agree with that. That was very eye-opening to me when I first heard that said that way. And I've kept it as part of my toolbox ever since. We should be nervous and anxious. We have to realize that even though confrontation is a necessary act at times, we must prepare ourselves ahead of time by confession, prayer, and seeking God's help and wisdom. And we should approach our sister with the appropriate spirit of concern, gentleness, humility, capital H, humility, love, and truth. And as my professor said, if we can't get there in a surrendered position to God before we go have this confrontation, we aren't ready to go. We need to protect her dignity. Remember, that's what candor does. It seeks to protect the dignity of the one receiving the confrontation. We should share how much we want God's best for her. We should make it clear that we don't enjoy what we're doing, but we love her too much not to have this conversation with her. And then, most importantly, we go one-on-one. And why do we do that? Because it's the safest environment for her to be able to be honest and open back to you because you've been so honest and open with her. There's a few extra things I want to cover before we head into the soul fitness exercise and the prayer as we end. The first is anger. Now, we know that when a friend hurts us, and even more so, I think, when we see a friend teeter-tottering on the edge of sin or one who is in the thick of it, we can get really angry because we understand the fallout of all of this and we're hurting. And so what I want to say to you is there's nothing wrong with being angry. None of this has to do with stuffing emotions, but it does have a lot to do with that Selah, that pause, that pondering and praying and thinking things through, but also processing our emotions, particularly the anger with God. We can do that. We have full access to him. Now, sometimes I know with myself, I can truly trust my husband and I process things with him confidentially, or maybe I choose instead to go to a trusted, confidential friend. And for some of us, it makes sense to process something like this, depending on the situation, with a therapist. But it needs to be processed in a healthy way that doesn't cause further damage. This is what St. Augustine has to say about anger. Love can be angry with the kind of anger in which there is no gall, like the doves and not the ravens. Now that word gall means bitterness of spirit behaving in a rude or disrespectful way. So if I'm going to update St. Augustine's quote, I would say it this way. Love can be angry, but with the kind of anger in which there's no bitterness in spirit behaving in a rude or disrespectful way. And then speaking of behaviors and anger and reactions, it's important to note that you and I are not responsible for the reaction of someone else. We are not responsible for her reaction to our words. What we are responsible for is ourselves, our posture, our heart, our head, our words, our behavior, our humility, processing our anger, making sure we're in the right posture before we go. We're responsible for all of that before God, but we are not responsible for her reaction. She is responsible for that, and she is responsible for her posture, 
her words, her anger, her emotions, all those things, she's responsible for God. Now, I believe with my whole heart that this way, this biblical way of confronting a sister in Christ provides the safest environment for the two of us, the two of you, to have a beautiful outcome, a restoration. The friendship continues on, and in many cases, on a much deeper, loving, honest level. But ultimately, we are not responsible for the reaction of someone else. It will not be a failure if she doesn't react the way you want her to. And it could take time, but you are only responsible for you. We do this out of obedience to God and love for our friend. Period. The end. Now let's do our soul fitness exercise. Opening your journal, I want you to write down this scripture. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And I want you to list the differences between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. And how did what I shared with you today maybe impact your definition of the two? And what does it mean, really mean, to be a peacemaker? The Lord says we're blessed if we do. Let me pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I lift up the women who are listening to me right now. And I thank you, Lord, for the lessons learned along the way and that at my age, I'm able to impart them to some of the women coming behind me the way older women imparted their wisdom to me. And Lord, I ask a blessing over each friendship, each difficult relationship, each conflict for sisters that are on the verge of making decisions that will really hurt them and those that they love and that they have good friends loving Christian sisters who will come alongside them and in love, throw out that life saver of grace and bring them back and restore them. Thank you, Lord. Give us bravery and courage to do the hard things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining me, friends. I'm so glad you came. But before you go, if you enjoyed our time together, Please subscribe or follow the Still Becoming podcast. I think the button's probably at the top of your page. And would you mind leaving a review and telling your friends? This helps the Still Becoming podcast reach the women who need the content the most. And I'd love to stay in touch. Sign up for my newsletter, the latest from Laura on my website. You can find all the links in the show notes, along with all of the scriptures mentioned today. See you next time on the Still Becoming podcast.